Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be taking a little bit of a detour and diving into the seventh cover story arc, which ran from chapters 314 through 348, spanning 32 installments. And yeah, this thing wrapped up just about the, where we are in the anime. And the subject of this cover story is our old enemy, the NL priest Gedats, and what happened to him after the events of the Skypea arc. And this cover arc is called Gedatsu's Accidental Blue Sea Life or Gedatsu's Ukkari Blue Sea Life. And I know that's a very super random title, but there is a reason for it. But yeah, let's get into it. Alright, so here's the quick synopsis. So after Gedatsu loses to Chopper and falls from Skypea, through a bunch of random accidents and coincidences, he ends up as the business partner of Goro, who happens to also be Koza's uncle, and helps him establish a hot springs resort called Ukkari Hot Springs Island. Alright, so getting into the actual story and my thoughts, uh, as well as the review of the events that occur in this cover story, the first little note that I want to mention is the title, actually. So as I mentioned in the intro, the translation is generally titled as Gedatsu's Accidental Blue Sea Life, which for all intents and purposes is correct. However, in Japanese, there is a thing I'd like to point out. In the Japanese title, which is called Gedatsu no Ukkari Seikai Gurashi, but the word I want to point out is Ukkari, which means careless, inadvertent, or accidental. Now, the English translation generally uses the word accidental, but I feel like careless is the more correct term as how Gedatsu's sort of trademark uh, word is more used as careless. So the thing that is significant about that word Ukkari is that if you remember back to Skypea, it's kind of Gedatsu's catchphrase. And whenever he would do one of his quirky and careless things like talk while biting down on his lower lip or cross his arms without actually interlocking them, he would be beside himself and utter the word Ukkari or how careless which is also why at the end of the hot springs, the hot spring itself is also called Ukkari Hot Springs because it's kind of his word. Anyways, let's start with the cover story, which picks up after Gedatsu is defeated by Chopper on Skypea. And if you remember, he got stuck in his own cloud swamp trapped upside down and then sent him down even further into the cloud with his boot jet dial. And I did wonder whatever happened to him after this because... I honestly did think to myself when I originally read that part, would he just shoot himself out the other side? And I never thought we'd actually learn the answer to that question. But sure enough, Oda did answer that question for us. And he did shoot himself out the cloud, sending him careening down to the blue sea. He finds himself landing on an island filled with holes in the exact same headfirst position. However, this time he's saved by a man named Goro who pulls him out and invites him back to his home, where he explains his dream is to establish a hot springs resort. And Gidatsu still being sort of the villainous nature that he is, he just then immediately declares to Goro that he wants to be the boss of the Blue Seas, but then gets put to work by Goro by digging holes in search of hitting the payday of finding a hot spring. Hence why this island has so many holes already to begin with, because Goro's probably been digging for years now, it seems like. The next several installments are pretty funny as Gedatsu's carelessness takes hold and he has to remember how to do many basic functions all the way from basic life-sustaining actions to more work-specific actions like starting with breathing and opening his mouth to eat as well as blinking. The blinking one is pretty funny too because you see him like crying as he's gearing up and then you get to more like functional things like bathing and how to actually dig. 
And they eventually hit something, thinking it's the mother load of hot springs, but it turns out to be a giant mole referred to as the Dirt Boss. And you might actually recognize this mole as it randomly appears in the filler story in the anime during Long Ring Long Land as the mole that Tonjit's grandson is riding. So I'm assuming that they got the inspiration for that mole from this cover story. Whether these moles are the same or even related, I have no idea. But I'm assuming, yeah, it's they're, they're different from just the context. Also, the dirt boss seems to be way bigger than the mole that we saw in Long Ring Long Land. Anyways, from there, Gedetsu and the Dirt Boss go at it, and the Dirt Boss is utterly defeated pretty quickly, thanks in part to the dials that Gedetsu still has on his body. And the Dirt Boss now works for them, with a nice little cockpit built into his helmet for Gedetsu and Goro to sit in while they dig. And what I find funny is that even though the Dirt Boss is a mole, and has natural claws to dig, it still carries around a pickaxe for digging for some reason. Now, with the help of the Dirt Boss Mole, they dig all over the island and finally hit it big and find a big spring. But the commotion and explosion caused by the discovery of the spring causes the Forest Boss, which is some sort of a carpenter, chimp, or monkey that comes out. This time, even though the Forest Boss doesn't seem to be aggressive at all, Gedetsu's sort of villainous nature still taking over just knocks him out cold. But this now makes the Forest Boss serve Gedetsu as well, which will come into play later in the story. Anyways, they continue to dig and shockingly eventually somehow end up in Alabasta and specifically in a thriving Yuba where they run into Koza and Toto where we learn that Goro is actually Toto's brother and Koza's uncle of all people which is an incredibly small world. This weird and crazy crossover is something I never expected but it's really fun to see as it kind of makes sense that these islands wouldn't be that far apart since the Straw Hats journeys took them, and we saw that these islands are pretty much adjacent to each other. Although one thing I never understood about this part is, if they found the hot springs already, why did they keep digging even so far as digging enough to reach Alabasta? It just seems a little extreme to me, like were they looking for more hot springs? And I think that could have been extra context that may have been added had they ever animated this uh, cover story arc, but it never did, obviously. With that, Toto, Koza, as well as Karu form an inspection squad to survey the hot springs Gedats and Goro had found. However, upon returning, to everyone's surprise, the forest boss and the other monkeys had already completed an entire hot springs resort. And when I read this, I thought to myself, okay, then the journey there and back must be pretty, pretty long, which makes sense as it does take the Straw Hats a decent amount of time to still sail from one island to the next. As well as the fact that because as crazy as those monkeys are, it still would take them a decent amount of time to build a structure like that and a resort. It also brings to mind, like, how are Gedats and Goro and everybody who's inside the dirt boss, how are they able to survive that journey for that long being underground? I mean, yes, there's some oxygen down there, but I, I gotta imagine that it's not very plentiful. But I guess I'll chuck that up to comic book logic. Anyways, with that, they officially open Ukkari Hot Springs, although as a potential customer, I'm not sure how much I'd be interested in a hot springs called Careless Hot Springs. Um, but yeah, Ukkari Hot Springs obviously modeled after your fairly traditional Japanese-style onsen hot springs resort, which I'm personally not a fan of onsen, but my family loves them, and I'm definitely in the minority of people who don't actually enjoy onsen, but I'm just not a fan of just sitting there in a hot bath. 
With the hot springs in full operation, they create a shuttle service from Alabasta with the help of an old friend, none other than the lecherous giant sand crab, Hasami, or Scissors, is now the official shuttle crab for the newly created Ukkari Hot Springs that travels between Alabasta and the Ukkari Hot Springs Island. And in another awesome cameo, we see that the members of the Alabasta royal family are one of the first few guests to visit the hot springs. And we see that Vivi, Karu, Pel, Chaka, Terracotta, and Igaram all visit and enjoy the hot springs. In addition, you can even see that Matsuge or Lashes, as well as the other members of the Super Spot Bill Duck Troops, uh, are also enjoying the hot springs in the background of the men's bath installment. And then in the women's installment, you can also catch the Kung Fu Dugongs as well, which begs the question... Are the Kung Fu Dugongs inherently female or mostly female? I I don't know what the implication of that is. Or maybe they just couldn't fit them all in there. But yeah, in the last few installments, we see Gedatsu triumphantly standing at the front desk of his wildly successful new Ukkari Hot Springs resort. And it suddenly dawns on him to his shock that he has inadvertently created a hot springs when his original intention was to rule the Blue Seas. So it turns out that this whole experience was another Ukkari mistake or careless accidental creation because of Gidatsu's carelessness taken to a whole other level. And yeah, I find that like like overall meta joke really funny. And I have to say, I really enjoy this cover story. It's It's got a lot of fun and, and, and it's actually fairly engaging in terms of storytelling. Although Gedatsu himself isn't really all that interesting of a character in this cover story arc, he does provide some genuinely funny comedy with his quirky traits of forgetfulness and carelessness. But what really sets this cover story apart to me from the other ones is how unlike the past cover stories, instead of it leading into aspects of future storylines in the main story, it actually brings back past elements, including characters and the island of Alabasta, back from the past, which is a really cool thing to see because I don't know that we get to see much of the past uh, in a lot of these cover stories. But yeah, not only that, it actually kind of adds and expands a little bit to the world building in Alabasta slightly by introducing Koza has having an uncle, which is something that I didn't think I needed or thought was very interesting, but it's kind of cool. So yeah, that brings this cover story to a close as Geratsu has now kind of forgotten that he's a villain and is enjoying the life of an entrepreneur, much like Hachi, Wapple, uh, in, uh, or Hachi and Wapple in previous cover stories. And I'm starting to see a trend where Oda likes to make his past villains into successful business people. However, unlike those other two, as of chapter 1049 and episode 1017, we have yet to actually see Gedatsu make a reappearance in the main story, unlike... Um, Hachi and Wapple do to a certain extent later on. And I know that's kind of a spoiler, but not really because, yeah, you'll, you'll see. Anyways, um, but yeah, I really did enjoy this cover story despite the fact that it yeah it doesn't really play a huge role in the main story. And Gedatsu himself is just kind of bland in terms of the character. But uh, yeah, for some reason, this one really always is always really enjoyable to read. But yeah, that's it for this cover story. If you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast for updates of when I post new episodes to see some pictures of my manga collection as well. So yeah, next week we'll get right back on track with the episode rewatches. But yeah, as always, 
I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Stay safe out there, and I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye.